BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Come on in. Take your shoes off. If you got a hat on, take that off. Keep it on. Not a bit. Hey, my guest here, you keep your hat on. That's fine. You keep your hat on. You don't need to use the coat rack. It's fine. But come on into the living room here today. I got a nice tray of brownies here, and I got Willow sitting by the fireplace right next to our good friend in a hat. It's Dominic D'Angelo. Dominic, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Nick, hey, not only am I in the hat, but I'm in the shirt, too. This is what I wore when we were both together at Brawl Out. So, oh wow! Out the Pittsburgh Punk called out the Pittsburgh Penguins. Everything I dressed for the occasion here today. You, you're cosplaying as yourself <laughs> from the night of Brawl Out right now. Exactly. You you nailed it. That's what I'm doing. I <laughs> wish you'd have said something. My my closet's right over my shoulder. I had got the shirt out. Well, we could have done it. I mean, we could have did some fine. reacting. To get Willow to play Punk. I have my cat here. We could have. <laughs> I'm in Chicago. I could have gone to Mindy's Bakery this morning, right? <laughs> I could have got some spindrift to have available to me right now. Right. I got a lot of problems with you people. I'm going to say them right here. You know, we should, they should just rename all out uh, AEW Festivus, right? Like, and it, it, it kind of hits all the, it hits all the notes, right? Arena. And for those of you that have never seen Seinfeld or are too young to have seen Seinfeld, Festivus is a fictitious kind of, anti-religious holiday right i think is how it's supposed to be it's like non-denominational non-denominational <laughs> right you have to air your grievances with everybody there's a feat of strength duh it's a pro wrestling show and then they say that you need a pole right it's just a steel pole right. for the christmas tree yes we could do we could do pole stuff at <laughs> aew festivus Hey, you know what? They should change Rampage to Festivus every week. There, air your grievances out once a week, and then head in the collision with the fresh start. Restart. AEW doesn't need one Festivus here. They need weekly Festivus. You know what they call weekly Festivus? They just call that therapy, right? (laughs) Right. Good good point. I think at that point, we've drifted into BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com. I'm just kidding. They're not sponsoring this show. Um, all right. Well, hey, this is going to be a big one. We got a lot of punk stuff, a lot of elite stuff, a lot to talk about here on the run sheet today. And it's a special one here uh, for Premier Streaming Network, where this show goes uh, every Tuesday, Thursday, noon Eastern, first run, brand new House of Wrestling shows, the only place you can see them in video form. And they go up there before, well before they hit the podcast feed. And we here at House of Wrestling are not the only bit of content Working with Premier Streaming Network, our good friend here, Dominic D'Angelo, also has a show on the Premier Streaming Network 
with somebody who gets as high as I do on a regular basis. <laughs> Dom, you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yes. So, yes, I am the co-host uh, with One of a Kind with RVD. So Rob Van Dam is on yeah. the Premier Streaming Network. And just like Nick, too, you can get his uh, full full video episodes on the Premier Streaming Network. You can check us out every Friday, appropriately at 4.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time we drop. And so uh, Rob provides some very cool perspective, not just on wrestling. We cover a whole bunch of wrestling on there, but we cover uh, life perspectives. At the end of the show, he does an RVDology where he gets – he. he picks a topic like a general topic about philosophy or life and touches upon it and gives you a different kind of perspective of how he thinks about it. And so it's very, it's been very, very cool. Rob's a good dude. What you see is what you get with Rob. And so and that's what makes him so damn cool, man. So it's been a lot of fun. We're on it, but we just dropped episode six, which is Vince McMahon. So it's a big episode. So we're very excited about that. And hey, we're just uh, getting started here on Premier Streaming Network. So a wholly different. uninteresting topic for pro wrestling fans. Vince McMahon, what kind of right. traffic? Who wants to talk about that? What kind of traffic did that guy ever draw in the business? <laughs> there's like, for those uh, that don't know how to properly aggregate pro wrestling news, there are like, there's topics that make great content, and then there's people that make great content. Basically, anything that anybody says about Vince McMahon. That's fine. That checks the aggregation box. I, I if I'm in charge, I say run with it. That's great. I don't care, right? What, right. Kind of, what kind of sandwich? What does he eat? How does he work out? What's he doing when he's not doing wrestling? Anything? All of it. All <laughs> he's fans. like Kardashian. He's a Kardashian. You cover just he's a Kardashian of wrestling pro wrestling. So. He's starting to look like a Kardashian with that <laughs> tiny little mustache. I'll tell you what, Mister Hollywood over here. Damn, living the life. He's like uh, what's it? One of the Barrymores, uh, John Barrymore, or whatever. <laughs> You're right. He's like, oh, you want me to look more Hollywood? And he grows a tiny mustache. They're like, no, modern. Modern. Uh, no, that's a little dated. The, the Rudolph Valentino's are gone, man. Long gone. Do you think that's what Hollywood's like now? Yeah, with the big pictures, right? <laughs> <laughs> Got a big crank wheel camera that he films raw with every week. I honestly think he's trying to look a little like Walt Disney because he always wanted to be Walt Disney. Sure. So maybe he's like trying to like tip the cap to him a little bit. And be he's like, like hey, you know what Mickey Mouse was lacking? Muscles. Holy muscles. shit. I want muscles and a tight pair of spandex. <laughs> Mickey ate too many burritos, damn it. Yeah. Well, he didn't, Vince, I don't think, found out what a burrito was until recently. But that's, that's a different cool. story. So <laughs> anyway, again, that's good aggregate. Anyway, um... <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, we have a lot of great aggregate and exclusive content over at HouseOfWrestling.com, H-A-U-S of Wrestling.com. Anything we talk about here on the show today, I'll have written about on that uh, over on the site. We have an editorial section. I don't really do a whole lot with it, but we did do an AEW fantasy draft this past Friday. I have the full results. I drafted a 50-person collision roster. EJ Clack, he drafted a 50-person dynamite roster. Yeah, have that many talents already? Jeez. Go look at it, man. It is like you you sit down and you look at it, and you're like, wow, these are two really strong rosters, right? Man, yeah. The, the only glaring error was I somehow let Ricky Starks get drafted to Dynamite. That's really going to screw with everything. But anyway, it's a great job. And the full audio of that and the full interview I did with AAW owner Danny Daniels and the full interview I did with Inside the Ropes Conan or not inside the ropes, but I did four inside the ropes with Conan. All of that has dropped on the podcast feed since last Thursday. So go check it out. Housewrestling.com. Nice comments. Always appreciated. And that's it, man. We'll get to some more stuff at the end, but let's dive into the news. So we last show we did was on Thursday and man, what a news cycle it has been in the wake of last Thursday. So we'll start with the story on Friday 
coming out of the Wrestling Observer newsletter prior to the Forbidden Door, saying that at least one top talent walked away from Dynamite that CM Punk appeared on in a really bad mood, right? Didn't Wasn't feeling it. And not only that, they thought that there's a quote-unquote ticking time bomb in the locker room in regard to the potential blow-up between the Elite and the Punk's camps, to which Punk put out a time bomb. If you ever heard the song Time Bomb by Rancid, I mean, you couldn't even set him up for a better, honestly, better video. So uh, what did you think of, when you hear this kind of story trickle out on on a Friday morning after Punk has just come back, done his first two shows, how do you feel? How are you feeling about this one? I mean, it's back to the festive. It's like an airing of the grievances, like, but it's going through Dave Meltzer and whoever it may be. And it's like, um, it seems unnecessary. Like if you're a business, but I mean, how many times have you been in a bad mood when you're at work or whatever, you know, how many times have I been in a bad mood or how many times have somebody else left in a bad mood? It's sure. It causes some buzz around, you know, everything, a little bit of gossip or whatever, but that when it, it's not a, it should not be a big deal in any kind of work environment. And how, like you look back at the territory days, geez, could you imagine how many bad moods were there with like Crockett promotions <laughs> and like going to, you know, if you're in the AWA and you're trying to make a name there, bad moods all over the place probably. But it's, in today's day and age, it gets put out there. And um, it's, and even since then, Nick, like, we've seen several other couple other reports coming from Meltzer and like Eddie Kingston talking about stuff, all that. And it's just been blowing up and getting all messy. And it's very unnecessary. Well, to his, to, for his part, Eddie Kingston, you talked to New York post. He actually denied there was any division. He's saying that Mm -hmm. it wasn't a big deal. The people that he hangs out with are very chill, which is odd because it seems that he does spend quite a bit of time with the bucks (laughs) and Cole Cabana and, uh, on that note, uh, also from the Observer here, coming out of Forbidden Door, uh, the it's you know, I think what's so upsetting to me about this whole situation is it is once again, focus went backstage when there was some really good stuff going on in the ring. Right, Forbidden Door had some great action, but right. the big story everybody's talking about uh, coming out of it from the Observer Radio is what happened backstage between these two entities, the Elite and Punk. They were in the same building. Nobody had to stay in their bus outside the building, but they were on. They were about as far apart as you could put them in separate locker rooms. Uh, no one ever made contact. Um, but that doesn't mean that the heat's going on here is to, is is falling over to everyone because the report also notes FTR and the Bucks. They're fine. There's no heat there. It's really just kind of now we've just dwindled down to a core group of people that really don't seem to like each other, be able to share space. Right. Right. right, And it's just like uh, it, it adds that other layer of like, ooh, OK, well, this is another topic that uh, sites can talk about and certain things like that. But it's also the element of you having like, you know, FTR going out there and, and like saying this person when a bad move ran to Meltzer. Oh, the, yeah, I saw the FTR. Didn't he delete that tweet? He deleted it, too. And then uh, I don't know if he put it back up on Instagram or if it went somewhere else. But then I don't know. But the it's just. People are frustrated. It's cl- there's clearly a frustration there. But I think in the grand scheme of things, it should not and probably isn't as big as a deal as everybody's making it out to be. I guess the thing for me that's, a, uh, I guess, a little bit disheartening is this was an opportunity where they were all in the same place. And I would have liked to have maybe seen some attempt to get them in a room together. And we don't know that there wasn't one. 
it just it makes me upset to to kind of wake up and hear that there's like this division that everybody's going to keep dwelling on here and it's obviously taking a toll on the product i mean look at the reaction punk is getting in canada right, right now that doesn't happen without without this narrative being spun at the moment and so for the sake of the, the company just kind of getting back on 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 a roll I really hope that there is, you know, again, these people come together. I hope there's a chance for them to exchange ideas. You lit up when I brought up the Canada reaction. Dude, what a, it's like bizarro world. It is, it's bizarro world when you go to Canada, right? It, it is. And, you know, I think it's a good thing, you know, despite the drama and despite all that stuff, for Punk to get a reaction like that. And on top of that, for Punk to react to that reaction the way he did, I think really speaks to the level of like, hey, he's having a good time. And I think things, it's a positive indication in certain ways because it's like he's not really dwelling you know on you know or at least he's showing it on, on television and he's not dwelling on that kind of stuff so he's he's playing into it he's leaning into it and you know in therapy we talked about that uh, the best way to get over something is to laugh about it and so we're kind of seeing a little bit of that on television and i think too what's kind of neat about this is all the homages that uh him and uh, FTR been paying to Bret Hart. He's kind of got this Bret Hart vibe now. In Canada, he's kind of know. become Bret Hart, hasn't right. he? He's become Bret Hart, and like just to, and it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with where he lives. It has what side are you on when it comes to the locker room kind of thing. It's you a know, very Bret different insider kind of look at it. You know, it is it is interesting because we had John Pollock and Wei Ting on last week for post wrestling, and I think it was John that you know we were talking about going back and forth between Chicago and Toronto. Very similar cities. Like, they're made up. They're kind of, like, the same, like, size-wise, like, very much demographically kind of the same. But the thing about the fans in Toronto, because I've been to Toronto. I went to SummerSlam a couple years ago. I think I saw Ring of Honor there. I know I saw Ring of Honor there that while I was in town. Those fans are insane. Like, Chicago fans, like, we'll, we're, we're rowdy. We're having a good time. But Toronto fans are absolutely nuts. And if you're listening to me and you're from the Toronto area or maybe just Canadian, you know what I'm talking about. I watched a, a like eight year old, like at the top of his lungs in a bleacher seat, scream at like the Briscoes, like stab him in the throat with a knife. And it's like, you're not hearing that. I'm sorry. In Chicago. Right. So right. I don't know. I just want to put that out there. I, uh, yeah, I continue to hope cooler has prevail here. It was look, it was a step in the right direction. I thought that this whole thing played out. The worst we heard was that there was this one person that had this time bomb thing. It was almost such a laughable line. You talk about how laughter is such good medicine. Punk was able to, to make a joke out of it with the rancid song. Everybody buy it. I mean, it's interesting to watch the Canada crowd react the way they do because I kind of get the vibe that everybody is kind of over this. Like, it's kind of a joke now, right? Like, Punk does something positive and then somebody's going to say something about how he still sucks. And then we're going to talk about it until the next show comes along. Right. That's it. That's it. And is there, there's the, the hope in your mind. Oh, is he going to say something about it on television? Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that feeding constant feeding the right. beast here. Good aggregate, you know, good aggregate. But that's the like, I just, every time that I see one of these stories come out now where it's like, Oh, you know, despite how uh, everything looks, remember, there's a rot in the apple and everyone now is, I think it's just like, come on, man. Can we just, can we, for my, for my anxiety, for my stress levels, can we just eh, stop, let's, you know, let's coexist here. It's everything's fine. You know, <laughs> we all want to have a good time. Um, well, uh, forbidden door was a very good time. Mm -hmm. What a fun show it was. Uh, the main event, we'll talk about a couple matches here. Uh, main event saw Brian Danielson defeat, 
Kazuchika Okada. And uh, Fightful reporting that Danielson went into this match banged up. And unfortunately, during the match, he fractured his arm. I don't fractured or broke. I'm freaking remember how I, he, I saw fractured. So I think frac because you don't you don't break your arm and come back in two months. Which and is like, I know that's what I was thinking too. I was like, so it's it's not a good injury, but it's not you know devastating. No, no. Um, and and for what it's worth, Okada even got in on the young. I I should have put. I misordered this. Okada joked in the lead up to Sports Illustrated how he didn't know if he could wrestle CM Punk. Because he's friends with the Young Bucks, but he's like, no, seriously, I'd wrestle CM Punk. Let's do it in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, even Okada's having – I love the Rainmaker, man. He's he's a goofy guy. I like that. Um, So, Danielson Okada, though, did it live up to your expectation? Was this the legendary encounter you expected between these two figures? I like the match a lot. I'm a big advocate for Danielson, and I really do like, you know, Okada's presence and uh, – you know, his per personality and stuff like that. Um, from a match standpoint, it was different than what I expected. Yeah. But I also think that uh, a big proponent of how that match played out and how the impression that it left was the crowd because it was a long show. And then you hit, you got, you had that banger of a match between Omega and, um, oh my God, why am I blanking? Osprey there. Osprey, we'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. yeah, and so you had that wild match, and then you had Sting on top of that coming out for the, the triple tag, which was a lot of fun. So it's like, and then on top of that, that crowd has been there for like at least four hours. Oh my God, that's the only thing. It's like, again, way too long. Yeah, so way it was too long. It's yeah. uphill sledding in a lot of ways for, for that match in itself. Because where are you going to put that match on the card? I almost kind of thought, I mean, if you build it right. Now, this might sound a little wild, Nick, but I almost felt if you build it right over the course of this time, if you took a lot of time, you could have really put Jungle Boy and Sonata at the end almost and then have Danielson and Okada earlier on because you you have the hook of the heel turn of Jungle Boy at the end. Yeah. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be a long match either. They could kind of send the fans home and feel good about it all. And, hey, you don't know. If you build it that much up, there's that intrigue. Hey, maybe Jungle Boy might actually win the IWGP title. And so you have those ardent fans that are there kind of seeing for it. And then when he loses, boom, turns on hook. There. Hey, see you on, on Dynamite, you know? I, I think you're going to get some people throwing. How do you not close with Okada Daniels exactly. or, or Osprey Omega? Right, which is you know those were like the centerpiece ones here. I, I but you I, put the title in the in the main picture. You know what I mean? How, how it kind of should I, be, and so you can have that kind of excuse to do something like that. Almost. It's Maybe. wild, like know. I agree, it's wild, but it's, it's a. Right. I'm not saying terrible idea, a different yeah. idea. Um, but I think we can agree. You know, chop this thing down to three, three and a half hours. Yes. Right. I yep. want to enjoy AEW versus New Japan as much as anybody. You yep. know, but this isn't like. This isn't like we're only going to do it once and never again. We're going to do it every year now. You can start to spread these out. You can start to build demand. We just we just teased Okada Punk. We don't need to throw it up in Wembley. We can wait, right? Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. Yep. Let's let these big matches build for a little while. I think that'd be fun. You know. Yeah. 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 No, that's a, you know that's a, I liked uh, Forbidden Door a lot, uh, and you know this is me too as like you know not super duper as familiar as like with New Japan, but like knowing that knowing the talents at least by name and seeing them wrestle and everything, I thought it was really well executed and a very very solid card. So. They it was certainly much more organized than last year, and, yeah. and I thought it was it felt big. It's a great thing for both companies, and again, 
making positive strides. Let's focus on positive strides. Let's focus on the things that are working. Let's keep that focus on those things that are working. One thing that didn't work for everybody was this Tiger Driver 91 that Will Ospreay hit Kenny Omega with. Now, we don't want to get hit with any kind of whatever violations. We're not going to show the spot here. Um, If you are listening to us in podcast form or just want to pause the video here right now, take a moment and go on Twitter. Just type in Will Ospreay Tiger Driver 91 on Kenny Omega. I'm sure it'll pop right up. You can see what we're talking about. It's a very, uh, very difficult move to do correctly. For those that don't know what it is, it's kind of like a pedigree or, you know, double underhook powerbomb like Amen Johnson used to hit. And kind of like Amen Johnson, done in a way that looks very reckless. (laughs) (laughs) In perfect Amen Johnson way. (laughs) Was Amen Johnson's Pearl River Plunge just the Tiger Driver 91? Was this what he was doing to people? Is this what he was doing to people all the time? Basically. So, unlike with Amen's double underhook, Pearl River Plunge, great name for a move. It is a great name. Great and name. his theme was awesome. I loved his music. Damn, Amen ruled. Anyway, enough about <laughs> Amen. Back to this move. So, so the move, he dropped, instead of dropping it flat across his back, uh, like you would do a normal power bomb, drops him more kind of on the back of his head, up onto his shoulders and his neck. Now, I've kind of, you know, like anybody who's studying this thing, gone back and watched move for, you know, moment for moment. To me, it looked like what they intended to do. Right? Sure, yeah. I mean, they're pros. And, like, you know, if anybody, you trust anybody to do it, it would be a Kenny Omega or uh, Will Ospreay, you know? So, yeah, you know, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and you know, I believe it was the Fight for Report came out yesterday saying everybody was fine, everybody was great, they got big applause backstage. I understand the concern. Look, they say don't do this at home for a reason. Don't go try to hit your buddies with Tiger Driver 91s after a couple beers. You will kill them. You yeah. will kill them. But that's what makes these guys special athletes. That's why you you watch, you go out and pay to watch them do this, is they're going to do things that only they can do. That's why they're the highest you know, paid the, the biggest performers in the world. So I think that they did for all the people that are upset and, Oh, other wrestlers will try to mimic this and they'll die. I mean, I'm not saying go out and do it, but if you can do it, you got the big old traps and stuff and you can be safe about it. That's, that's what magicians do. You do what the others can. Right. Right. Yeah. And they're like, you know, you rely on your partner in the ring to do, you know, to accommodate and make the right, right adjustments for it all. And so, I mean, those guys know what they're doing, but for the fan and for the viewer, how much, what's the risk reward of all that? Because everybody's always thinking in their mind, oh my God, that looked dangerous. Is he okay? What's the long-term, like all this kind of flows through your mind when you're just thinking about my cats, like hanging out. But, um, <laughs> uh, but all that kind of goes through your mind as you see something like that happen. And like, that's the other thing too, with the Danielson match. You know, that match was had some brutality to it, too. And, like, you know, you look at Danielson playing into the seizure angle and stuff like that, and you think about all the, like, oh, man, like, is he okay? Is everything okay? So there's always that kind of thing to also factor in. What's the risk of the reward of not just you doing the move, executing the move, but how how is that, like, how is that going to leave the fan or the viewer that's, that's watching? Is it going to, is it really a good payoff for it? So it's a, a lot of stuff to consider that, you know. Do they? Yeah. You know what? yeah, no, you're right about the Danielson stuff. I've talked about that. That guy, you know, if I was told I was going to be wrestling Danielson, like, oh, great, I'm about to make some money. I'm also just about to get my ass legitimately right. handed to me. <laughs> you know? Yes. If I've said it once, I've said it a, t- a billion times. Brian Danielson needs to go back and watch 
wrestling with shadows. There's that one scene where Brett goes, hey, you know how I like kick a guy in the face and it looks like I hit him at a million miles an hour? Well, guess what? That guy's fine afterwards. Brian Daniels is like, hey, you know, you go back and watch that kick. I hit him in the face. You're like, that looks like you kicked him in a million miles an hour. Guess what? That guy's dead now. I killed him. I <laughs> killed him. <laughs> fucking rocked his skull. Jeez. <laughs> like, look at, look at, it, I was going back. I was, you know, looking at the timeline for Frightful was saying, you know, hey, uh, Dan- Danielson hasn't wrestled since this 60-man Iron Man match, and that's why he's banged up. And I'm like, yeah, no, no shit. Go back and look at those guys from that match. You know, I, MJF, I, looking at that hematoma, I had been a while since I seen that. I was just like, is this how Shibata almost like had his career ended? Was like having his orbital socket busted open like this? Like, right, come on, man. You know, hard hitting, you know, and like, that's the thing with Danielson is like, he's such a great wrestler and he's also like, he's got a personality. So he doesn't necessarily even have to rely on doing that, but he likes doing it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Bret Hart looked at Ric Flair and said, if you chop me, I'll kill you. And Rick was like, all right, no chops, buddy. We're good here. Right. I would feel like, yeah. like, Hey, Danielson, can we do a match where you just don't beat the ever living shit out of me? Uh, no, not going to work, brother. That's, Sorry, my, yeah, that's, not that's my style guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Um, Fightful. Uh, also saying that Billy Gunn and QT Marshall were the ones that helped put together the great Anthony Bowen's I'm Gay segment that everybody got to see play out on Rampage that was filmed here in Chicago. Bowen's was pitched on it. It was great. I just wanted to put it over here. It's got, I think, about 5 million views on Twitter alone right now. Well, and it's, it's Pride Month. Pro Wrestling was able to present an angle where somebody said, I'm gay in a tasteful way during pride month. And let's all just, let's, let's appreciate that for a moment. Right. It's nothing they're being leaning into or exploiting. It's like just kind of a feel good kind of moment. And Bowens, I tell you what, like him on the mic um, and just the look that he has, like I immediately, uh, I didn't, I don't, I can't even remember if he was with the claim at that point, but I was like, this guy's got like a lot of like high ceiling for himself. So it's like, so he's a good ambassador for all that kind of thing too. I think to, to, uh, be presented in that way and like look legitimate and hey you know it's not a primary focus like that's i think that's what's cool about it is like hey he's gay but he's a really re- great wrestler and he's great on the mic that like being gay is probably like maybe fourth of who he is you know yeah. what i mean so it's just like i think that's kind of a the, a neat aspect of it all too and so him to be casually hey i'm gay <laughs> you know i'm not into you and <laughs> and, and, and for those that don't know he was getting Hit on by uh, Harley Cameron from QTV, and she was saying how, you know, she knew he was into him, and that's when he drops the I'm gay line. And so in canon now, right? Gay, right? Great moment for pro wrestling. WWE's never done anything like this. Right. right? Good point, yeah. And I think it was kind of hip that AEW did it this way, because I got to imagine that somebody at WWE saw this and go, it's that easy? Like a girl, and it's kind of like Vince is like, and it's kind of funny, right? Like, oh, she thinks he's like, oh, I'm a big man, and then he's gay. Oh my god, that's so fucking great! Oh Jesus Christ! It's true. I mean, no, it, it's a great. I think it's a great way to handle it. Feel good, and to your point, it's like it's Pride Month too. And hey, you know what? What's been always engaging about wrestling is you have all these types of characters and i don't mean like characters in the ring i mean personalities people like you have a diverse group of you know hodgepodge you know misfits that come in and that have been in there since the beginning of since wrestling has started 
you know, from all these different people. So it, to have this kind of like be embraced in a certain way in a, in a unique and positive way on television and stuff, it's pretty cool. And it's just like, it speaks to the level of like how much pro wrestling can reach out to people too. Um, well, one person we're not going to see on AEW TV here. Well, actually two people we, we're not going to see on AEW TV here. One for a long time, potentially here. Fuego del Sol put out a video um, noting that his AEW contract is going to expire on July 1st is Saturday, Money in the Bank. Hey, wouldn't that be something? Fuego shows up at Money in the Bank. Boom. Bob's your uncle, right? That's what they say, the, the Brits. They say that Bob's your uncle, right? And then oh, here we go. It's old chap's got the briefcase. He takes off like a chimney sweep, you know? I don't know. I'm sorry to everybody in the UK. Jeez, Nick. We both work at it. For You're going clothes. there. You're going there. You're already starting it off. Fine. They can all make fun of me and my We're Chicago, my hot dogs, and my mustard sauce. That's fine. Johnny America over here. <laughs> anyway. Yes, thank you, Inside the Ropes. Dominic and I both love working for you. Uh, that's true. We both yeah, do. It's really great. Yeah. Um, but Fuego, man, I, you know, I, it was fun getting to go back and watch some of the stuff he did with Sammy uh, early on when he was getting the car. He was putting his car on the line and, like, got the biggest contract signing. Uh, we get less of that stuff now with Tony, you know, picking up, you know, all these big name brand wrestlers every so often now. But it was a real cool moment for Fuego. I'm sure you'd enjoy the ride. I hope he goes out of the Indies and crushes it and finds creates some value for himself. We haven't really had a chance to see much of Fuego here in a while. Yeah, you know what? I think it would behoove him to like not in a certain way kind of repackage himself. Not maybe from a look standpoint, but from an attitude and personality standpoint. Um, I really think his it was a feel good moment for him to be in AEW, but I don't think in the grand scheme of things it was going to last long, no matter how you shook it in a certain way, because it's just like. He's a talent that's he's a young talent. He still needs to kind of grow and develop. And, um, you know, he was just booked as enhancement for the most part initially. So um, and I don't think, you know, to your point that just bringing in all these big name stars, and you know, the roster is already filled. You drafted 50 people on one roster the other day. So it's just like that's a lot of talent to kind of incorporate. And so Fuego del Sol just did not. He seems like a square peg in a round hole at this point. So. I think it, it's in his best. Yeah, I'm glad he's healthy. Uh, to your point, I would uh, I would try to fo follow the Cardona formula in certain ways, where you go out there and you freaking you just embrace whatever, and you gotta you take whatever that that comes your way that might be you know that kind of adds another layer to your your identity and stand out because you know from a size perspective. From a move perspective, even from a promos perspective, he hasn't really got the chance to stand out. So, do what you can while you can, while you have maybe a smaller platform, be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Yeah, I mean for sure, it's not like he doesn't have the name value right now. I mean, when he right. announced his free agency, it got a lot of attention. So, I, I'm with you. I, I hope he goes out and takes advantage of those opportunities. Uh, but the other name I said that we wouldn't be seeing on AEW TV at least until July 15th when they leave Canada is Jeff Hardy because uh, due to his arrest record, he's not allowed into the country. And so uh, that is why Jeff's not going to be on TV. It's so he was beaten down, taken off TV here by the guns and bullet club on the debut episode of collision here in Chicago. And uh, look, Jeff has seemed fine since he's been back. I hope he could stick with it. You know? Yeah. You know, when I first saw that stuff coming out, I was like, did he do something? And it was like, no, he's just, can't go to Canada. That's basically been it. Yeah, and we already so, we all knew. That. I think Fightful was the one who reported, but we we already kind of knew this. This has happened before with Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Canada, so, you, know? you know, it seems like you know he's 
he's being safe and like him and Matt are, you know, together and stuff. And I don't think, I think he's in the right direction. And, you know, um, people have been, you know, they've criticized Tanahashi for some of his work and like Jeff is like had a little bit of slips here and there, but I think it just adds to the point that, Hey, this is pro wrestling and anything can kind of happen. And, you know, if you're going to take some risks and certain things happen, you know, that's, it's going to be on television. And so it adds, I think, you know, you can't really factor that in and and worry about it. I think Jeff's going to be fine. I, yeah, I don't think this is a a slip up in certain ways. It's just part of how it is. You just can't go to Canada. Can't go to Canada. All right. Moving over to WWE land here. Uh, WrestleNomics reporting that last week's episode of WWE NXT pulled in 773,000 viewers on average with 300,000 of those viewers in the 18 to 49 demo. Overall, it ranked number two among cable originals in the 18 to 49 demo. The best ranking at his ever done in that category. In primetime broadcast, it was ranked ninth. For perspective, this is the highest viewership for the program in the 18 to 49 demo since a Halloween Havoc branded episode on October 28th, 2020. It is the highest overall viewership for an episode since April 21st, 2021. The main event featured Seth Rollins versus Braun Breaker and in the overrun Pulled in nearly 1 million viewers, like 950,000 viewers. And uh, the overrun of Rollins versus Breaker did better than any quarter hour, I believe, uh, than Dynamite, right? Or Collision, I think. I don't, maybe not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. I I think that is accurate now that I think about how I compared my charts. So, anyway, this seems to be working where they send big names down to NXT. We saw Carmelo Hayes get in the mix on Monday Night Raw last night, keeping that thing going. And the Observer saying, expect more of this. This is a Nick Khan initiative. He wants to drive up numbers for NXT. He wants to get more money for NXT. We're going to see more big names, and one of those big names being considered to be on NXT programming. It's a ridiculous thing to say out loud, considering uh, I would have never said this probably three years ago. But Ronda Rousey might be on NXT. Her and Shayna Baszler bringing star power to the show with their new women's tag team titles, defending them, anything like that. So a lot of words right there. What's your takeaway from how well NXT seems to be doing right now, Dom? I mean, I think it's a very, very positive sign for WWE because, you know, this was a brand that was really trying to find its identity, whether it was in the 2.0 era and then now starting off again in the like golden white, I guess, era. Um, but it's I think it's. um, Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good takeaways from this because they are incorporating some of the veteran talent down there. Like you got Baron Corbin down there. And you have these names that are like reestablishing themselves that kind of are benefiting from being down in NXT. And then they're also helping this younger talent. So, and then you bring in somebody like a Seth Rollins that's defending that new title that looks very good on him, by the way, I think. But you just have to, it's, you're only elevating the sea level. And I think even Nick Khan said that they they want to make, uh, they could, he could see uh, NXT as the third brand again, almost. And so, you know, you're taking the right steps to doing that and you're making it feel like, hey, this is the new kind of hot product. Like, this is a super, super positive sign. Uh, and, you know, to have somebody like maybe a Ronda Rousey coming in there or whoever you decide to bring in there, it's uh, it's a delicate process in certain ways because you don't want to oversaturate certain things and make things not seem as important. But if you do it in the right manner, like, it's 
everybody gets elevated from it. I think I do. I do wonder about the oversaturation, you mm-hmm. know, because it is. It, hey, you know, throw Bear Corbin in there, throw Dana Brooke in there, throw Mustafa Ali. We were doing anything. These guys all of a sudden they're down there and the show seems to be doing better. You know that the goal of NXT is still to develop talent to be moving forward. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that they're going to try to obviously keep a focus on that. But less less matches featuring two developmental talents, more matches featuring main roster talents. It, it's not saying necessarily a bad thing, but it is just going to be less of those people. But you couple that with the fact that the NXT locker room was largely just kind of raided during the draft. A lot of talent got called up this time around, and, and they're getting presented in really prominent ways. I think Zoe Stark looks right now oh, yeah. like a total star standing next to Trish Stratus, and nobody knew who this woman was about two months ago. Largely, right? right? Yeah, and you know, I think, yeah, to have to put her with Trish, and then uh, this is just the start of things to come. Like you, because you could totally see her being in a long-term feud with a Becky Lynch, or um, and you know, they're not shying away from that either. And I think that's yeah. important too. They're putting her right in the baptism by fire in a lot of ways, where it's like, boom, we have the we have the confidence in you, the that in your abilities in the ring and on the mic, and as a persona show us what you can do. And they're, they're letting her do that. And so, uh, yeah. And like another team too, like pretty deadly is already getting put in a big, you know, yeah. I, pretty deadly time. was the other one I was thinking of. I thought Carmelo Hayes looked like a, I, I thought Carmelo oh, yeah. Hayes, I thought he looked like he belonged on raw, you know? Yeah. And, to, and another thing too, is like, what have we always been asking for for the past, like how many years it's been when it comes to baby faces, like they, a baby gets face gets beat up or ganged up on. And you're like, where's his friends at? Like if he's a baby face, why doesn't he have any friends? Sure. Well, they're kind of forming this cool relationship between Seth Rollins and Carmelo Hayes. I think that's like, you know, I don't want to say almost a mentor way, but it is kind of has that identity to it, to an extent where it's, you can feed off of that long-term if you want to. You can go back to it. They don't. You don't have to necessarily have them together all the time. I think that would kind of detriment it a little bit. But if you have that connection, hey, he's got some friends here. I think and, that's and, really important. And it, it's probably not a bad message to be sent to WWE creative when they're like, wow, look, we can create this brand that has its own unique roster where we do occasional little crossover things and they're meaningful. What if we did that with Raw and SmackDown? Is it that like the goal? Aren't you supposed to have these like rosters that feel different? Occasional little crossover that feels important? Like, isn't a very good message being sent here to WWE creative with the success yeah. of NXT? Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you know what? A lot of, re- you'll, I'm sure you know this too, Nick, is a lot of crossover fans are comic book fans. So like a big aspect of comic books is like you'll have a guest appearance of somebody come in like uh, daredevil will join the x-men for for an issue or something like that and that's kind of neat to see and so if you're able to do that with your quote-unquote heroes in this wrestling world i think that plays into the audience you're looking for and looking to build and grow so i agree and they're they're trying to court disney that's the word on the street right they want to they want to be treated like a star wars or a marvel right yeah yeah and look at all those universes (laughs) i feel like i'm getting set up perfectly for this next story but i don't want to go there quite yet the the last thing i wanted to bring up in regard to the the how well nxt appears to be coming together doing is you know what is this signal send to aew right i mean is it a signal to aew is this just something nikon is doing because he's just like you know we could just get more money or is this like is there a little piece of this here where Hunter's like, you know, it'd be really good if a, if, if NXT could actually draw better. I don't like that. Any of the WWE programming does worse than AEW. We would like, we would like to be able to go into our TV rights negotiations saying, 
across the board, we are the dominant pro wrestling product, right? And that kind of puts AEW a bit on their heels when they go into their TV rights negotiations if, you know, executives are looking at that kind of direction, if, if that makes sense. Sure. So from a WWE perspective, I don't think that's like, hey, that's their focus. Like, oh, we got to beat AEW. No. But I also think like there's that competitive spirit, you know, that Triple H is all too familiar with when it comes to being in the Attitude Era and like fighting for your spot and certain things like that, where I'm sure that's a, a factor in his mind is be like, I would sure like to be, you know, have a NXT be better than an AEW program and certain things like that. I'm sure that's that's an aspect in his mind. Is it the primary focus? No, I don't think so. But I think it's just all part of like, hey, let's make our product better and worry about us and see what we're doing. And then how is AEW going to react to it is a good question because it's like they're a young company. Tony Khan is it's only like, you know, three, four years in, in kicking here. Wow. Four years now. Jesus. I know. It's crazy, man, to think about being in that. I don't know if you were you at the rally in Jacksonville. I was at the ticket rally. Yeah, I thought you were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So. So, yeah, it's been a long run, but it's also they're still a young company. So how are they going to react to this? Is is Tony going to get, uh, you know, uh, petty about certain things or like, you know, try to find certain things that, hey, I, I want to do this and think about this. Or he's as he's had a knack to, to kind of play to the indication of the older days where it's just like, hey, I'm paying homage to this or, you know, this is how a storyline played out. It's a lot of thought process. Uh, he's got it's a lot of plates he's put on his own his own table so it's like how many is he going to be able to spin with all this too it's just a lot to factor in it's interesting as much hay as tony has made in recent years about how he does not think that it is good or moral practices to run directly against your competition right which is something he has i i probably softened it honestly if you look up what tony has said about the situation like he's not he's not happy about it right i kind of like his attitude when it comes to that i like it though <laughs> but but here's the thing so here he is now on saturdays dropping cm punk and going head to head with their premium live events right like that's that's coming up to the door and, and knocking at the very least True dropping a bag of poo and running away you know, like, <laughs> it's true but it's good business because it's like hey this is your new program you want to make it seem as big as a deal as you possibly can so put your biggest star on there that's that's been shown to draw money and you know uh get eyes on your product so all it's right. uh you know i'm all for i you know i theater kid and everything like that so i'm all for like the drama and all that kind of stuff so anything you give me i'm kind of like ooh, what's this about <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I did tease that the, I had another story here that was perfectly set up by all the comic book talk. Uh, unfortunate one, because the Hollywood Reporter saying that because the Writers Guild Association strike and Bad Bunny's touring schedule getting uh, very busy, the Marvel franchise El Muerto, which was supposed to be like the first Latino focused Marvel character. It's been removed from the release schedule. May not even happen now because Bad Bunny may not even stay attached to this thing. And one of the names that was rumored to be a part of it was Mercedes Bernardo, a.k.a. Mercedes Monet. Bummer. That is a bummer. That's a, I, know, there's a, I mean, I remember when we had the writer's strike, well, like uh, 15 years ago or 17 years ago or something, and the office was on, you know, the Fritz or certain things like all oh, that's kind of sad. And so, but to see it like kind of transition in, a, in an indirect way with pro wrestling and in, you know, this comic report realm too of things like I know daredevil, the born again thing has been put tabled at the moment, or, you know, it's going to affect that filming schedule. Uh, yeah. Bad bunny. I mean, like, and having that association with uh, Sasha Banks or Mercedes Monet's is super cool to, to see. And, you know, again, to the point of comic books and wrestling crossing over uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, 
Um, but I found too, like following a lot of like the comic book movies and the plans and stuff, everything kind of gets thrown in the whack, even if there isn't a writer's strike going on or not. So it's just like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it gets fans excited when you see the news and the headlines and then it's just, it is kind of deflating when all that kind of stuff comes, comes to fruition about, uh, it might not work out. I, I just think it really, I mean, it does start to underscore the, the power, the clout that Mercedes is accumulating right now. I mean, it is. No small thing to uh, be in both a Star Wars and Marvel franchise. And granted, didn't quite get to check the box yet on the Marvel franchise, but there's time. Yeah. You already checked the Star Wars box. That's it's a lot that, of boxes. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if you're in a Star Wars movie, that's pretty damn cool. And like, so, uh, but yeah, uh, a Marvel role would be the cherry on top of that all. So, yeah. like, how, how cool would that be? But it, 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 to your point, it speaks to Mercedes Monet's star power and uh, the leverage that she's cultivating for herself. So last item here, unfortunate item, but I didn't want to call it out. Um, uh, Fox 19 spoke with uh, BJ Whitmer's alleged victim. Now, BJ, of course, was arrested earlier this month and then was terminated uh, by AEW after charges of strangulation and burglary. Um, and the woman at the crux of this is finally that says that, you know, he, he did these horrible things. Uh, she spoke out anonymously to Fox 19. Uh, she talked about what she endured. It's very graphic. It's tough to talk about. Uh, I don't want to read it here or really get into the weeds, but if you are uh, struggling, you need help. Uh, the reason she spoke out like this was hoping to give inspiration to other people that may be struggling right now. So it is definitely worth a read, uh, worth your time. Uh, very happy that she spoke up and is speaking out. And I hope, you know, weed out the bad ones, right? And that's supposed to do? It's, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's... um. It's unfortunate, obviously, and horrible that shit like that happens. And you don't and like if you're the victim of that, I can only imagine how difficult that could be to to kind of speak your mind and stuff like that, especially in the the world that got created for you there. It's like hard to get out of that world. So to be able to break through and open up and and say these things, I hope it was therapeutic for her and helpful for her but in the same term to your what you said too it's it's helping other people's get the word out about that stuff and unfortunately like you know every business anything that you in there's going to be a dark side to it and you have those characters that come in and you know unfortunately become players in it um but yeah it seems like you know from how it's working out you know uh you're sowing your seeds and you know, you reap what you sow. So that's kind of yeah. what happens. And hopefully everything's okay with her. And uh, hopefully in the grand scheme of it all, it's a tragic situation, but hopefully uh, there's some light at the end of the tunnel for everybody. Agreed. All right, everybody. That's going to take us to the end of the news block here today. Dominic D'Angelo. Thank you so much for dropping by talking all things pro wrestling here today. I will be back on Thursday. I'm going to be joined by veteran 20 plus year, WWE referee Jimmy Corderas. We're going to be doing a Money in the Bank uh, preview episode. We're going to look at all the. We're going to look at the whole card. We're going to do some wild fantasy booking, wild speculation. We might talk a couple other news items as well. Um, also tomorrow, I might have an interview on the feed. I might not. We're going to see. I had one that was scheduled and then was canceled. But now, as I'm doing this show, they're trying to reschedule. Maybe for today, but the time they sent me, I have something else going on. So I don't really know if it's going to happen or not. <laughs> so that's a real thing that just went through my head. Uh, that's but, the name of the game. <laughs> so I don't really know. Just subscribe to the House of Wrestling podcast feed. Leave a nice co uh, comment, review, all that type stuff. On Friday, I will definitely have one or two, probably two, 
uh, WWE interviews on the House Wrestling Podcast feed, probably up on the YouTube channel too. We'll see. Uh, but definitely coverage over on houseofwrestling.com. I will be on site in London covering Money in the Bank. Lots of exclusive interviews. I've got all the media events. They've got me loaded up, tons of content. So strap in, everybody. We're going to have a wild London ride. And I'm going to try not to offend anybody over that. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, too late. (laughs) Ah, shit. I'm just stepping on rake after rake here. Oh, my God. What the hell? Oh, my (laughs) Jesus. Oh, so bad. Dom, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up today? Sure, yeah. Uh, obviously, you can follow me on Twitter at Dominic D'Angelo. Um, yeah, tune in. Subscribe to the RVD podcast. It's uh, wherever you can get your podcast. One of a kind, number one of a kind with RVD. Uh, if you type in RVD, it should pop up. But uh, subscribe to that. Get, uh, tune in. Um, uh, yeah, or subscribe to Premium, Streamier Premium. Watch on Premier.com, and you can check it out every Friday at 4.20 p.m. But the audio episodes drop every Monday at 4 20 p.m eastern the next monday so if you don't if you don't have the premiere and you want to just listen to us you don't want to see my face or rob's face you can just check us out on the on the podcast feed um otherwise i also started a Substack, stack or wrestling writing.substack.com uh to your point what you were saying like editorials and stuff like that i i like doing that here and there when i can so i started a, a Substack there so i i do some transcriptions of the rvd podcast but then i do some feature pieces there so check that out too otherwise that's kind of it uh my brother does two podcasts ted dibiase that's also on watch on premiere the the uh everybody's got a pod then he also does the Jake the Snake podcast. So if you want to support the D'Angelo's, you can uh, check out a couple of our stuff. So there we go. The D'Angelo's, everybody. Go check them out. Watch on Premiere.com. That is, uh, again, our great partner here. And, yeah, like I said earlier, Dominic and I, we also work with Inside the Ropes. Go support That's those right. guys as well, right? So, uh, hey, uh, thank you all so much for coming in. Go ahead. Take whatever brownies are left. Pet Willow. Grab your shoes. If you did not, if you did take your hat off, now is a good time to grab it because I'm going to kick you out the door. But remember... You're welcome back anytime. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.